Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today comes to us from the Hudson Valley in New York. She works at the Golden Notebook, a wonderful bookstore in Woodstock that I used to frequent back in my Albany days. She recently read her poetry in Washington, D.C., and tells me, lo and behold, she's from Silver Spring, Maryland, right in the Washington, D.C. area. She teaches and administers a program in prison. And uh, I found that a point of, of connection also. An unusual thing about her website, if you go there, you will find some recipes because she told me some people ask about the recipes so often, she figured, why not just, you know, put them up there and make it easy. Her recent book, Kind, comes out of her animal rights advocacy and interests. So we're going to have a good time talking with Gretchen about all of these different things, or as many as we can get to. So, hey, Gretchen, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. You get, how did you get going on the animal rights? This is a lifelong thing. You said, or you see it as related generally to justice. Yeah, I think I've always been driven by and attracted to what we would call progressive causes, social justice causes. And for me, that simply doesn't end with the human species. I'm interested in the way that um, power dynamics work in our cultures and the way that we place worth and value on some more than others. And that means some humans more than others. And that certainly means others, some species more than others. We just have this idea that, you know, we're at the top and everybody else is lesser. And I don't feel that way. I, I've never felt that way. In the same ways, I don't feel like white people are on the top and everyone else is other, or men are at the top and everyone else is other. You see where I'm going? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, people who have never been incarcerated are better than people who have been incarcerated. You know, human beings are better than dogs. You, you know, this gender makeup, this sexuality is better than, you know, as soon as we start doing that, that kind of differentiating and valuing differently, it becomes very dangerous. It becomes very destructive and it really doesn't serve anyone. So I'm, I'm, uh, my, my work is interested in challenging that kind of dynamic and hoping that people will be curious 
about thinking a different way. I sometimes think society is like, well, I often think society is messed up, but the attitude <laughs> toward animals is, is a little a little strange because people love their pets. And then we've got these millions of, what are you going to call them? Stray, is there a term for stray dogs? You know what I mean? The uh, ones without a home, the ones that are out there waiting to be adopted or are going to be just exterminated if someone doesn't pick them up. And I mean, what in the world can you do with this problem of these, let's say, I would say excess animals? Yeah, it, it's fascinating. So we have the way that we differentiate species from each other, right? So dogs are for petting and pigs are for eating, right? And then even within one species, say dogs, we have a, a whole continuum of how people think about them. So for some people, dogs are for curling up on the sofa with, and for some, they're for chaining up. And for some, they're for kicking on the street, right? So just the, again, with that, with that value and the way that we value. So some of say, well, my dog is to put, you know, a $500 leather collar around the neck of uh, with rhinestones. And someone else will say, my dog is to be chained on a drugs, you know, on a hardware store chain in the backyard. And uh, again, I'm, I'm interested in looking at all of that. So there's a poem in the book called Chain. Uh, and that's about a dog who's treated one way. And then there's a poem about a dog, uh, you know, who died in my arms. So, Oof. you know. Yeah. Maybe we'd get the farthest by hearing some of these poems because they'll sure. approach the issue in, in ways that you want to approach it. Well, okay. So um, I could start with Chain, sure. for instance since I mentioned it. You are owned and you are chained. The chain stretches from a spike in the yard to your neck. The yard stretches from a bare spot behind the house to a barren spot behind the house. The chain wraps itself around a paw, deft around an ear, a tail, two toes, a leg. The chain spins your body into a cocoon that spins into a ball, monstrous metal yarn long enough to knit the earth a cold straitjacket. In the heart of the ball is you. Mm. So that's, you know, how someone might treat a dog. But then, of course, there's how uh, I think of dogs as companion animals, for which I'm a guardian. So just to give a, a different part of that continuum, here's a poem called Eleanor. I loved all of you, even the cancer in your neck and blood, even the sick mirror, your black fleece, white cells, your bright red ones, the lymph and sera and your soft black mouth all the elbowing cells keeping us up for each other a little longer. I humble before the system that built our illnesses, built your dog bones one by one and tied them together until you could walk toward me. 
the system that filled them with pox round as zero, pox tough as hide. Let us walk toward each other until our faces touch. Nice portrait. There are other kinds of animals in the book as well, correct? Absolutely. There are, uh, there's an elephant in here. There's a stable. There's a lot of animals who we would call farm animals. And I just call, you know, people who wear feathers or gloves. <laughs> um, yeah, quite a few of those. There's wild animals. There's a cat, right? So, um, but I would say that farmed animals have are, are the most of one category, as you know, we humans like to categorize in here, because I do want us to question that separation that we have from the animals that most people see only on their plates versus the animals who might be curled up on the sofa next to us. And what gives us that differentiation and how artificial is that differentiation? By the way, um, how many meanings were you thinking of when you came up with kind as the title? Well, it's a great question. I would say at least three, you know, we have, um, what kind are you, right? Are you the kind I pet or the kind I eat? Um, we have kindness, which I wish we had a little more of in the world. Okay, a lot more of. And then there's also like, what kinds of people are we? You know, both to allow what we allow. Um, what is it like to be the kind of person who cares about this? Because that can be lonely and that can be challenging. You know, when you're in the face of such destruction and such suffering, to feel that you're not understood in your care about that, that can be lonely. So there are poems in here about animals and there's also poems about what it's like to be the kind of person who cares about that. Ooh, let's hear some of that. The absence of unnecessary hurting. This is the press of the earth, one star hanging there honking like a goose, the lake a smudge of black juice, the hill a draped pancake. Frog singing, sharp and gutty. Night, clean air, clear water, five baby mink in a pile, snoring. Here in the slurry live the things I consider, here in the hills. What do people think of? What do they think of me in my carings? Ripples lunch on each other, heavenly body lights flicker, too cool for moths. I don't want to hurt things. The fine brown eye of an animal, the broad slick leaf of a wing. I'd like to be gentle here. I wanna be worthy of you, lovely ground. Bury my face in your tired, broken bread. Yes, and, and especially at the degree to which you feel these things, I think you're, uh, I gotta understand you will be lonely. There are not a lot of people who are where you are on the continuum, I don't think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky in that I know a lot of people who are, you know, I'm married to someone who is, and I have um, a really 
amazing community of people who are and it's growing it's growing so much which is wonderful but i want this book to be part of that you know i'd like this book to be something that does make people think more in this way about creatures who we might forget and might write off here's a poem called coxcomb i'm just thinking about animals who are much maligned or given a lot of short shrift and what they could be if they were allowed to be themselves and if they were respected. So here's one called Coxcomb, sort of explores that. Mm. Abraham was a rooster. He'd been made to fight. He was not a fighter. He ended up in a basement with a sign, no one touched the killer. We brought him to the sanctuary. He loved peanut butter and jelly. He loved laps and Linda's pillow. He was not a fighter. He wanted to be held by toddlers, Phi Beta Kappas, grievers and socialists and pop stars. He wanted you to gentle his comb between your forefinger and thumb. It was a smooth, warm piece of the smooth, warm Abraham and it blushed bliss. It was tender, like someone who had been as unloved as a chicken and then as loved as a chicken could be loved. He grew old and full of love and died, rubbing his head back and forth, back and forth against Linda's arm. We planted coxcomb, a growing glow. That definitely uh, is good for attempting to empathize with a rooster mm -hmm. i mean but i hear it you know because roosters aren't well they're not like dogs you know <laughs> they don't have that kind of personality to me haven't dealt much with roosters and it seems like it makes them not so distant exactly it's like the the, the key is what you said you haven't dealt much with roosters and when we haven't dealt much we can imagine anything we want. And we have a lot of very powerful interests that want us to think nothing of them, right? It's in a lot of people's interests that we just keep thinking of them the way we think of them so we can keep doing to them what we do to them. But it's interesting because when you do spend time with them, you see their personalities and when they're allowed to be who they want to be, if they're in a situation that's not stressed, I mean, you can imagine that humans are this way too, if you only see people who are, you know, on their third day without sleep, standing up in a jail cell all together yeah. in a very stressful situation, are you really going to get a sense of their personalities and their potential? No. So when we see animals in the settings that we often see them in, um, which are stressful situations, ones who are leading uh, stressful lives, you know, we tend to underestimate them, but when they are actually brought to sanctuary, when they are allowed to be who they want to be, um, they have tons of personality. You know, it's just, it's just science. Personality doesn't pick and choose species. So you um, work at a sanctuary, but it, it sounds like a, just about all species sanctuary. It's not like dogs and cats where you usually think of where people go to adopt a pet. Yeah, it's, I have spent, Correct. Yeah. So these are actually, there are farmed animal sanctuaries all around the world and um, all around the, the states. 
they are wonderful ways to connect with animals in a completely different way. And a lot of people go to them and find themselves really transformed. And that certainly happened for me. Are there um, organizations that someone could look up online to learn more about all of this sort of thing? Absolutely. It's a quick Google search and, you know, farmed animal sanctuaries. Farmed animal sanctuary. Yeah. I never heard that phrase. That's great. Right. Yeah. And they are very similar to dog and cat shelters or sanctuaries, except that a lot of times these sanctuaries know that many of the animals will stay with them forever. Right. It's not the goal is not adoption. Some of them adopt animals out. Sure. Yeah. But the goal is more um, ambassadorship so that people can do what we're talking about so that people can go and meet you know, fall in love with a pig and just look into a pig's eyes. Pigs are smarter than dogs. So, you know, when you get up close to them, they can really impress you and, and just say, wow, okay, I'm, I'm thinking differently now. And I, again, I want these poems to also be in a sense, ambassadors for various species and us rethinking the way that we see them. Yeah. Here's one about an elephant. Cause I mentioned it before. This one is called ringling. And this is a persona poem. I love persona poems. Most of the poems in visiting days are persona poems, poems in the voice of someone else. But we can expand the notion of someone else to be non-human animals. So uh, you'll be able to guess pretty quickly who who's speaking here. This is a poem called Ringling. Maybe someday you will trick for me. Maybe I will find value in you on one foot. I will take you from family home so I can watch you balance. Will you bore me? I bore myself now, reduced to your conditions, cut off from my life and language. None of me is left. Still, you found something to waste. Where was that elephant? It wasn't you know, that elephant is in my head. Ah. Right. I mean, I haven't been to a, a a circus since I was a child. I've, I've been at protests against circuses. Um, I'm not into, I'm not into incarceration, you know? (laughs) So, um, but I, it was an imagination. It's, it's imagining what, Ooh, if you hear toenails, that's a couple of dogs going outside to see what's up. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I can just imagine what it must feel like to be taken as a baby from your family and brought somewhere else so somebody can watch you and eat popcorn, you know. <laughs> so I wanted to write about that. Good one. Well, since you mentioned incarceration, of course, you use that word. Should we talk a little bit about the program that you uh, you do in a prison? Is sure. Writing poetry program, writing, whatever. Well, so my experience has been primarily with college degree programs. So the uh, in men's prisons, in men's maximum security prisons, a little bit with medium security, mostly max, um, in New York State, and they are in degree programs. So um, now I'm with a SUNY. I used to be with Bard College, and I teach creative writing, poetry 
and poetry workshops. So it's been a pleasure, not since COVID because you can't get in there. Uh, there's no such thing yeah. as you know Zoom classes in a correctional facility. So um, I'm I'm on an on a, a forced break, but I really enjoy the work. And um, after about six years, I started to write poems that were connected to that experience. And um, I created uh, an, a uh, correctional facility, a prison like the ones that I'm used to. And I populated it with imaginary people. I have a lot of friends who are incarcerated or formerly incarcerated, but they can speak for themselves because they're people. Um, so I wanted to um, create imaginary people. So in a sense, the book is sort of uh, at the, um, the nexus of poetry and fiction or poetry and dramatic monologue. Uh -huh. Can you read a little something? Is yeah. It handy? Excellent. I have it handy. I can absolutely Super. do that. Um, I should mention that each poem has next to the name, a parenthetical that shows where they are at the time. So Ismail is in the laundry. He works in the laundry. Okay. There is a musk that won't boil off in bleach, a white yellow as an old eye. There is a sound like a train juttering under the river, pushing through with its forehead, pushing through my forehead. And I fold. Sisyphus knows this room and the mess line down the hall and the line behind the swinging kitchen door. He knows these net bags full of green, the skin of us, a green not found in nature, our DIN numbers above the pocket, the number on our green skins sealed in cinder block. No one wants clothes that are state issue. Most are state issue. And I fold and push the canvas on its tired black wheels. What you can wear non-state, solid red, solid yellow, purple, no blue, no orange, no patterns, no black. Oh, that's an interesting detail. That the color is is dictated, mm -hmm. totally controlled. Wow. Yeah. I never heard that. That's very, very interesting. Well, the mere fact that the state issue, of course, you are have no control. That's the point. Right. And you try to make your own control. You know, you try to control what you can. Um, and that's really hard because you're given so little to work with, but you do it, right? I mean, people do because they have to. And we are individuals and we are creative and we are intelligent and we want to make our mark in the world. Yeah. So you know, people find poetry, they find art, they find um, music, they find literature uh, and sports and, you know, all different ways to express themselves. Let's hear one more before we go. I think. Well, you know what? One more it, of anything. 
one more of anything. So I'm going to stick with this book, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to combine the two books in a way. Um, one of the, one of my friends who I met um, while I was teaching in prison uh, is a man named Intelligent and he got out a few years ago and now lives in Atlanta. So that's wonderful. But he was incarcerated for over 19 years, about 19 and a half years. And early on in his incarceration, he went vegan. And you can probably guess that I'm vegan, but I don't want to hurt any animals um, in that way. So we bonded and he had gone vegan because he was renouncing violence. It was a way of renouncing violence. Um, and also because he wanted to care for himself, for his body um, and, uh, you know, treat it with respect. So, uh, this is a poem that is inspired by him. This man is not him. Uh, he, again, he's, he's out there. He speaks for himself, but this is a man named knowledge and he's in the East wing and he's talking about his experience with that. I really wanted to honor him with a poem in this way. Knowledge. I honor life by not taking it anymore. Not a fish's life, not a calf's, no one's brother or child. I did violence. I put it between my teeth and it formed my blood and I took blood. Now I eat what they ate in Eden before violence. Now I ask forgiveness for the life I've taken that wasn't mine to take. The man and the calves and fishes, the chicks and their mothers. The cops laugh, their work is domination. They lord over and some men on the block call themselves king. But I am done with that in every soul of me and every body. That's a great way to express your, uh, your vegan values. Yeah, yeah, and his. And him saying it, yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. Really, really good. It does double duty. Yeah, life. yeah. Well, Gretchen, this has been really wonderful. I've greatly enjoyed talking to you and learning these things and being able to inform all the folks out there who are listening. So uh, thanks a lot. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure for me. Thank you so much. Great. That's what we're looking for. Folks, you're listening to Poetry Spoken here. I am your host, Charlie Rossiter. you with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere.com at gmail.com.